Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Before we start today's episode, I'd like to thank each and every one of my guests that have appeared on the 300 episodes of the IT Career Energizer podcast. I'd also like to thank regular listeners into the show for their continued support, suggestions and advice. I'm very much looking forward to continuing this journey and talking to new people about their careers in tech. And I very much hope that you'll be able to learn from their skills, tips and experiences. But without further ado, let's listen in to the 300th episode of the IT Career Energizer podcast. Welcome to episode 300 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show has a proven track record in building and leading successful teams, which he acquired through an extensive 22-year career at Microsoft Corporation, where his last role was that of Chairman for Europe. Since leaving Microsoft in 2014, He has been coaching individuals and teams on how to uncover their personal strengths and find the best in people. He also coaches high-level executives, Olympic Games winners, and artists from different countries and continents. And he still manages to find the time to be a highly regarded global speaker, having spoken at Harvard, MIT, and Cambridge, to name a few. So it's my absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast, Jan Mulfeit. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, and obviously you've had a extensive career in in the IT and tech field, in particular with with Microsoft. So, could you perhaps give us a bit of an insight of how that came about and how you got into the tech world? You know, I um, after my uh, university studying, I studied uh, you know computer science basically, right? I was a computer engineer uh, before that. I was a professional tennis player. I was interesting, but then I decided for computers because I love computers. So I spent four years in public sector, two years before so-called Velvet Revolution, and two years, uh, you know, uh, after uh, the uh, regime change, basically, right after the, uh, you know, there was like democratic, you know, government, and and then I was working for a startup called Software Six Hundred Two. Okay, and we've got like word processor, which in one year we've got like ninety percent market share in Czech Republic and Slovakia. It was Czechoslovakia at the time; it was one country. But then I met, you know, some uh, top guys from, you know, Microsoft and they offered me at the beginning of 93, they offered me a job in Microsoft, uh, Czech Republic and Slovakia to be like marketing manager. But I refused the first offer from Microsoft. Microsoft is very rarely giving you another offer, but they did, you know, right? Because in the June, that year in the June, uh, what happened basically? I met Bernard Vernier, who is great, you know, gentleman. Uh, he was a you know chairman for Microsoft Europe, like you know, 25 years ago. Uh, and he basically said, "Yeah, it you you would it would be great if you can join." And and then I decided basically to join Microsoft in '93 because Microsoft was opening subsidiaries in like Hungary, Czech Republic, uh, Poland, and and Russia, uh, right? And then we were like, you know obviously opening much more subsidies. So I joined in 93 
as a marketeer, uh, I, I was in the marketing role, then I was a sales manager, and then after five years, I was uh, promoted to be the country manager. So I was running Czech and Slovakia for three years before jumping to the international you know, career. So I left basically Czech Republic in uh, year 2000. But it was quite interesting that I refused, basically. I refused the offer for the first time. And it's, it's you know, people think, oh, you know, people try to get there and they refuse it. Yeah, I did. Indeed, you know, that's, uh, it is like that, you know, and it's interesting. But I absolutely loved Microsoft and I still love Microsoft, right? So it's a, it, it is a great company. It was a great company. And to be honest, Phil, I, I mean, it was a great company, but there was a great leader on the top, Bill Gates, and I had a great privilege to spend a lot of time with him when we were traveling, you know, together, spending some time in the field. Uh, and I love basically his, you know, vision at that time, you know, uh, computer at every desk, right? In 92, 93, computer not yet on every desk. I have now around me like four different computers talking to you. So it was interesting when I joined Microsoft, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just picking up on what you were saying about sort of spending time with Bill Gates, presumably you saw things or, or the way he presented himself and conducted himself is quite different, I, I assume, from, from how you would necessarily relate to other people within the tech field. Well, uh, you know, I, I would say that Bill Gates was, I learned so many things from him. He was a huge competitor. He loves to compete as much as Steve Ballmer, who succeeded him as a CEO, right? And it, we, we've got, the, I mean, I'm also competitive. My, now I compete less than in the past. Obviously. I, I'm like, rather like improving who I am, like personally, we be better version of yourself every day, uh, but it was like that. So it was a, you know, it was a competitor. But if you, if you, if you look into the history, okay, what he did well and what Steve Jobs, in my view, the the first kind of the Apple era, what Steve Jobs was doing, like very close, you know, system. And as a matter of the fact, Steve Jobs was fired from, you know, Apple, which was not. Right decision. I love Steve Jobs. I love two guys, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, and they were both visionary. You know, right? They were, they were like feast for competitors. But then, you know, when uh, when Steve Jobs was, uh, you know, uh, uh, was basically sick, I think Bill Gates and Steve Jobs became, you know, very close friends again. You know, but they did they they did a great job. So while you know, Jobs was like integrating everything vertically, and he was still kind of, you know. Uh, uh, really like religious about this integration and not, you know, allowing anybody to do anything, you know, right? Uh, Bill Gates was like, hey, let's, you know, clone the system. Let's clone MS-DOS. Let's clone Windows, you know, right? So th that was the reason why Microsoft was so successful. On the other hand, we need, what do we need to say when Steve Jobs, you know, uh, returned back he built empire, no doubts, you know. Interestingly enough, you probably remember that Microsoft owned in the year 2000 quite a huge chunk of the, you know, uh, Apple stock, you know, and we, were, we started to work. Again, we helped them a lot, you know, and then we, then we were like fifth competitors again. But, you know, Steve Jobs created, I think, you know, Apple today 
it's not it's company but it's more like movement they got so many people who are like loyal customers you know and those loyal customers will buy from you even during tough times you know right and to be to be fair to tim cock you know when tim cock took over i said even publicly i said it's gonna to be tough for him because there are big shoes to be fulfilled after steve number one and number two Tim is rather like finance guy, but I was wrong. That guy is doing very well, in fact, you know. And if you if, if you look at Apple, they they doing you know very well. So that was it. That, that's kind of you know on the on the competition side. But then I think the the key was when Bill Gates and Melinda Gates they decided to create Melinda Bill Gates and Melinda Gates Foundation. And I was kind of the close to that foundation because my mentor uh, is Jeff Rakes and he was running that that foundation for six years. So he was like helping me when I was leaving Microsoft. So he's a really good friend of mine. Jeff Rakes was like number two, number three in, in Microsoft like 20 years ago, right? And then he left and then he was running Bill Gates uh, and Melinda Gates Foundation. And I think at that time, Bill was still very competitive, but at that time, he realized that there are so many big issues where his brain and his love of the technology can be used. Like, you know, all issues in Africa, HIV, just name it, you know, right? That's what the Bill Gates and Melinda Gates Foundation is doing. So that's another, that's another like, you know, face, if you will, of, of, uh, of uh, the Bill Gates. And, I, you know, I remember uh, that's the real experience. We were sitting at a press conference in Poland, in Warsaw, like 80 journalists in the room. And they asked him, Bill, how is it to be richest person in the world? And he said, I'm gonna to return almost all my money to the people who need my money. That's what he said. And there was like applause in the room from the journalists, which is very rare at the press conference, unless it's like in Wimbledon and it's like they are applauding, you know, to Ferrer or Djokovic, whoever, right? So, yeah, so uh, there, 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 there are, you know, experiences like that. And I really, I admire Bale for what he did as technologist, but I also admire him and his wife what they are doing, you know, in terms of the uh, Bill Gates and Melinda, Melinda Gates Foundation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, that's a subject we could talk about for a very long time. And I'm sure we could probably dedicate a whole episode to to learning, you know, what you've experienced and, and your opinions. But um, I want to sort of move on to the the, the, the bulk of the of the, uh, the interview. So, Jan, can you maybe tell us from your, I mean, you've had a tremendous career. Could you give us maybe one career tip that people ought to know about? Phil, one tip, be self-aware. And self-awareness, it's not one point, it's a journey. And it's a journey for the life. You are learning who you are all the time. Because once you understand who you are, okay, then you can much better understand of your to your environment, other people who work with you in your team, your competitors, your partners, and etc. You know, right? But you need to understand who you are. The issue is today that we are teaching people what is around them, but we are not teaching people what is inside them. What kind of the talents they have? You know, who they are, who they are not. Because oh, look, I I really coach today some people who you know won already Olympic games, and hopefully some of them they still will win Olympic games. You know, and I have some you know uh, people who are the uh, uh, the, the 
the, the world champions and so on, right? And and the same, like I coach the best people in, in terms of the, like, you know, big enterprises. Those people, they have three things in common. They understand who they are. They, they know who they are and they know who they are not because that's where somebody else, like, look, when I was, you know, uh, uh, running big region, right? Uh, obviously, I need to, because I'm, I'm good strategist, I'm good in communication, I'm good in visions. I'm not necessarily great in analytics and details. I can do it. I love numbers and I can do it, but I can't spend too much time with it. It's not good use of my energy. That's why my kind of the complementary second person, like a COO, if you will, was the guy who was more empathical because I'm also, I'm good like listener and I'm empathical, but I need to know those people for some time. It's not that broad empathy. So more empathical person and person with more like detail, you know, orientation, if you will. Right. So understand, they understand who they are, who they are not. They understand what they want from the life. And number three, they can make decisions to basically take who they are to use it to achieve what they, you know, want, right? But self-awareness is key, whether you are a leader or, you know, individual uh, contributor, but unfortunately, self-awareness is not built because we are born to succeed, but we learn to conform, basically. We learn to survive, and it's not good. I mean, all creativity, all curiosity from the childhood, it's killed in the school, basically, right? Because if, if the kids are entering the school, according to NASA, 98% of the kids are showing high creativity. If they are 10 years old, it's only 30%. 15 years old, only 15%. And if they are 25 years old, it's only 2%. Because the school is teaching you how to give right answers, it's not teaching you how to ask right questions. And all innovation, creativity, curiosity is happening around questions. We need to ask right questions. The key question for all innovators, including, you know, IT guys is, can we do it differently? Ask that question in the school. Teacher will tell you probably, hey, look look at that, what is in the in your textbook, right? This is it. That's the, that's the only version of the truth. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it is like that. We have like 300 years old, you know, school system. And we have technology of the 21st century, right? So we need to reform that schooling system and it needs to be really based around, you know, student, around the, the pupil and not around, you know, uh, the subject, if you will, or even around the teacher. Yeah. I mean, you you obviously spend a lot of time with, you know, potential Olympic athletes and so forth. So in terms of their own self-awareness, presumably it takes time and, and the mentoring that you provide enables them to get to the point where they are self-aware yeah phil what i i tell you how we do it okay what do we do i'm using for more than 20 years gallup strengths finder test this is the talent test which will show you what are your general talents it's like strategic thinking analytical empathical whether you are like you know maximizer whether you are like very much demanding on yourself on the on the, on the other people so after that test, I, I understand who they are, more or less, but what is the view of the world, okay? Because if you f- give you an example, if you are analytical, you are building the picture of the world bottom up, from details up to the big picture. If you are strategic like me and futuristic, 
you are building you you go like from the big picture to to the details like from the top top down so we 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 really understand you know each other that's the first part of the coaching to really build self awareness but i know who that who the who that person is so i can you know coach them in a in a right way and then they are bringing different situations like patrick Schick, who is one of the best players now in bundesliga he's like if he's scoring or on the other hand not not scoring he's always telling me whatever was happening you know during that like physically what was happening during that match but then he's also putting in the key moment what was happening in his brain, like mentally, right? Because I'm coaching them, you know, mentally. I'm, I'm not coaching him, you know, how to do the kick or whatever. No, 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 no. That's not, that they have their own coach in Bayern Leverkusen. But I'm coaching him what to do with, with the brain. So con- I coach them on the concrete situations. And then they are learning. I have like, I, I built already 200 different, you know, uh, tactics uh, on the mental toughness, right? How you can be, you know, mentally tough. And I'm giving them my coaching method. It's more or less like give them like the Chinese menu and they pick up based on their own personality what is better for them. Because some of those guys are like more introverted. So there are, you know, more, you know, techniques for introverted people. There are some other people who are like extroverted. So they, they are, you know, better techniques for, you know, extroverted uh, people. And that's the way how I, you know, try to build the mental toughness. Mental toughness is basically your ability to perform well, whether you are in the business, art or the sport, even during very tough conditions. That's the mental toughness. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Um, Yang, can you tell us about maybe your most challenging or worst IT career moments and what you learned from that experience? Yeah, Okay. Uh, it's not necessarily connected to the IT, but it, it's it's you know connected to the recovery. While in my career, when I was running, for example, Central and Eastern Europe, we were four times in the row best performing region worldwide. So it was a very successful career. But unfortunately, one mistake I was doing, and I almost died because of that mistake, was the fact but that I did not have enough mental recovery. I'll explain what I mean. I'm like former professional tennis player, so I was doing still, even during my time in Microsoft, a lot of physical activity, and I've got enough like physical rest. But my brain was always like up and running, up and running, thinking about, you know, my job, what I can do better. And I absolutely love all my jobs in Microsoft. I absolutely love. But if you don't have enough mental rest, and even though you love what you do, and if you are very often in the flow, floor are moments, when you, you basically do something which is very tough, on the other hand, you are at your best. You are using your best talent. This is called flow. A lot of hormones like endorphin, dopamine, and release are released. And other hormones uh, and other chemicals during you know, sleep or during the recovery are supposed to clean your brain. And if you don't have enough recovery, your brain is not clean enough. And you are like suboptimal. Uh, your performance is suboptimal. And you know, I I was working like that up to my like fifty up to fifty years old, and then I basically collapsed. I was deeply depressed for three months. I stay at home, and three months I was in the mental hospital, and and I almost died. And the issue with depression is that you stop to believe that you can recover. If you break your arm or your leg, you still believe, hey, I will recover. It may take some time, but I basically stop to believe 
that I can recover. That's why I was like looking forward to die. It was really, really tough. And only like fourth antidepressant started to work. It was it was bad. I totally recovered from that. And I, I was like, hey, you know, it, it's a very bad experience. On the other hand, I learned so much from that experience. So I know very well how your brain works when you are on the top, you know. But I know also very well how your brain works when you are basically on your knees. And I was more than on my you know, I fully recovered. I stayed another three years in Microsoft and Microsoft was very nice to me all the time. It, it has nothing to do. My depression has nothing to do with Microsoft. I was like, I'm guilty. I mean, I, I, because I did not have enough recovery. And now Phil, what is interesting, what I realized that in sport, you take recovery as part of the process, as part of the performance. Why in business very often people think that recovery or having a rest, it's kind of the luxury, right? Uh, it's enough if I sleep four hours or whatever. No, it's not enough, you know, because your brain, to it, it has to do, again, with the Moore law, with IT. Your brain in one week needs to process so as much as information as the brains of our predecessors 100 years ago for the whole life. So we are under the huge pressure. And, you know, stress is not killing human beings. You know, acute stress, if you have a good rest after the stress, you, you're getting, you know, better and you're getting, you know, tougher because, you know, that's what Nietzsche, Nietzsche was saying, what is not killing you, it's strengthening you. But if that stress is chronic, and chronic, you, you don't have enough, you know, recovery, then it's dangerous for your health, basically, because a lot of cortisol is released and it's not good. So that was probably... The major failure in you know my career, and it was caused really by the fact that I was you know super competitive, and I was like competing with me. It was almost like playing tennis against the wall. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and at some point, the, the wall is winning. You know, right? You know, the, the wall is stronger than Roger Federer. You know, right? So anyway, but uh, yeah, I recovered. I, I learned. A lot, but I am also very public about it, what happened. About it, what happened? Yeah, very, very much so. Yes. So obviously, that was the the low point, and and you, I suppose you you recovered from it, and you now yeah. know how to deal with that situation, and and therefore what what absolutely you need to do. But sort of moving away from that, can you maybe tell us about your career highlight? Yeah, career highlight was probably really those four years. Look, I inherited team in Central and Eastern Europe in year 2000, which was kind of the average, according to the results, average or below the average, you know, team. They were like number five, number six, number 10, number 11 out of the 13 regions. And I knew that I need to change dramatically something to, to achieve much better results. But I didn't know what to do. But then I was basically thinking, hey, you know, right, I need to, like my philosophy is really to, you know, unlock human potential, to find what is best in each and every individual, put them together so there's a synergy and inspire them through the vision, right? And basically at, at that point, I met, you know, folks from Gallup. I mean, now uh, even like Jim Clifton, I'm friend with him for 15 years. He's a Gallup CEO. And Gallup at that time introduced that test, Gallup Strengths Finder. So what we did, it was interesting, Phil. What we did, we, we tested all people, okay? Like, you know, I, I, I guess it was around 2,000 people, if I remember correctly. And basically we were sitting with each and every person and 
telling them, hey, this is your job description. This is what we want you to do. And this is who you are. These are your talents. Let's talk about how you can use your talents to achieve what we you know, want. And imagine what happened. That team, which was below the average or average team for many, many years before, suddenly was four years in the row best performing region worldwide in Microsoft. When my, those four years, Microsoft was the biggest company on stock exchange. For me, it was like winning Olympic games four times with my team in the row. Interesting enough, though, it, it was not only in terms of the revenue, profit, market share. It was also in terms of partner and customer satisfaction and employee satisfaction. Because if you do some job, you like the job, and you do it in the way you like, you are not only successful, but you are also, you know, happy, right? And since that time, I use, you know, that system I created, and which, which is part of my first book, uh, the, uh, the Positive Leader, which was published, by the way, by Pearson in UK. And so, uh, yeah, so I use that uh, system for the first time, and now I use it with, with many other companies but that was that was probably really you know big uh, big highlight then then i really laugh i mean all you know time I mean, i've got like you know jean-philippe courtois who was for me who is now microsoft president and who was for many many years my boss he was a fantastic boss and you know that that's another element which what what happened when i was in the mental hospital he wrote me by hand nice letter that i'm you know great leader and everything will be you know fine and so on. like two hours after the meeting with steve Bama, it was like two o'clock in the morning in seattle writing me letter to the mental hospital and what i did phil and this is quite interesting jean philippe was like last year 35 years with microsoft okay and uh his you know assistant she asked a couple of people who were working very closely with, with Jean-Philippe, you know, to write something in the special, you know, book. So what I did, I published that letter from Jean-Philippe, which was like in 2012, written in 2012 by him. And I put uh, some nice words that it says something about that. This is the real, real leadership, I said. And you you can go public with that with letter because I think he really deserves it. Uh, he is now, you know, like I would say number two in Microsoft is Microsoft president. And that was another, obviously, it was not that I would always agree with him, but I, I built a lot of, he was like very, you know, he's a French gentleman, you know, uh, very friendly uh, relationship. And he was tough boss, but he was always fair. And I think you can be tough to the people, but you need to be predictable and you need to be fair. And I learned from that gentleman so much. You know, I'm still using a lot of skills, which I learned from, from Jean-Philippe. He's, not, he's like one or two years older than me. He would, you know, not be uh, that, that much you know, older, but he's a he's top, top guy. He's not that visible as Satya Nadella, maybe, but he's absolutely top-notch. Great. Okay, good. Um, so, Jan, obviously the, the IT industry is always evolving. So in your in your opinion or your view, you know, what, what is the future going to hold for people who want to create a career in, in the field? Look, I would definitely encourage people to go and start new companies in IT. Because, guys, <clears throat> I tell you what, 
progress in the past was happening, you know, linearly, step by step. Because of the Moore law, everything is happening exponentially. If you have a great idea, you can leverage that great idea in a very, very fast way. Okay. And there are new trends like, you know, artificial intelligence, cloud computing, big data, just name it. And there are many other things which are not there yet, you know, right? And if you take like, if if you may start like some, you know, niche environment where those big guys like Apple, Google, Microsoft, it's too small for them. But you can, you know, step by step build market and it can be bigger and bigger. If you look what is happening around, you know, uh, audio social networks like, you know, Clubhouse, right? It's, uh, you know, in fact, we met, you know, at, at Clubhouse. That's uh, they started one year and a couple of months ago, and it's absolutely you know amazing the evaluation according to some news is like four billion, right? So, definitely, if you are smart and you have some idea, you know, today you can grow exponentially. I need to warn you because sometimes people think, Oh, if I will have a great technology, it will go, it will skyrocket. You also need to have great people. Because if you have a great technology, it's about scaling both like regionally and technology-wise. So it's about scaling and execution. And so you need to have the best people for those two. And I, I coach a lot of, you know, startups in the different fields, you know, right? I, I coach even some company there like in cosmetics, but it's totally based on e-commerce. And they really like, they, you know, quadruple the revenue just during the COVID. Like they are from Slovakia, but they are now selling in 12 different countries, right? So it's amazing what technology can do. So I would definitely, there is probably, you know, there was never better time to start, you know, own company, especially if you are young and you don't have that many, you know, dependencies on you, you know, right? You just start. There's enough. There's there's enough VC money or angels money. There's not that many great ideas, right? So that, that, that's for sure, you know, right? So there's enough. There's enough money, absolutely. So I would encourage. I would encourage definitely to start, you know, company, absolutely. And then you will see what COVID will bring. Obviously, there is a huge, huge debt everywhere. Maybe you know, globalization will slow down a bit. But digitalization will, you know, go like on the exponential trend. It's clear. It is clear that, you know, digitalization will speed up. And you, you still have a lot of areas which are not like manufacturing is partially digitalized, but it's not fully digitalized. If you take finance sector, it's getting better, but it's, it's still, you know, way, way to go. So there's a lot of, you know, because IT technology itself is great, but it's enabling other industries. If you take today, like car car companies, 60% of the budget for the new cars, it's software. If you take like new Mercedes, there's like 16 full-fledged computers, you know, right? So the, the technology is the way, absolutely. Good. Okay. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Clubhouse in particular. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I I agree. And again, it's about scale and execution. You know, right? It is about you know the features and and about the execution because all other great you know players like you know uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, obviously they have some you know competitive offering or they preparing competitive offering. So absolutely. Yeah. Good. Okay. We're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Oh, sure. So what really first attracted you 
to a career in IT? Uh, tell you, I, I'll be very open with you. I wanted to study and be tennis coach. Then my dad, my dad came to me and he said, "Jan, you like also those computers?" And it was like eighty in nineteen eighty six. Okay, and he said, "Computers will change the world. I can guarantee you." He was a he was a technical guy, right? And then and he was not pushing. He said, "You may want to try another, you know, school. You may study two schools, you know, right?" And then I said, "He's right. I can still play tennis a little bit." I, and I was not superstar. I was a good tennis player. I was not superstar. But then I said, no, it is. And I and my dad was absolutely right. I'm always saying that my dad is the reason why I worked for 10 years with Bill Gates. And everybody, everybody's like, oh, your dad, you know, he, he knew Bill Gates. I said, no, no, no. <laughs> he just pushed me to study computers. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. What is the worst career advice you've ever received? Uh what is the worst career device, uh, advice? I, uh, it's usually connected with like, hey, you should play it in the safe, you know, way. And, you know, let's not change anything. I'm not guy like that. I love change, you know. And I, I try to attack, you know, comfort zone every day. For me and for like my, my you know, athletes and executives, they know exactly what I'm, you know, talking about. That I, I really try to... Yeah. To, to to change. So it, the the advice was like, play it safe, don't change, you know, and everything is in the change. I mean, if you take agility, agility is the way how you are able to absorb and run uh, your you know, the, the, the change. And it's the same with the teams. You need to persuade them because if, if people will not move out of the comfort zone, they may pretend they will move out of the, they, out of the comfort zone. They may pretend that, that they will absorb the change, but if, if they will not, then you will start to be complacent and and then you know it's bad for your company absolutely exactly yeah and what is the best career advice you've ever received what is the best career advice i ever received be yourself basically right be yourself and i i have my slogan they are even now selling some t-shirts it's called be more of who you are you know right and it is it, it's about authenticity because if you are authentic you know and you are like telling stories, authentic stories. People tend to believe you, you know, right? Because that, that's the way how it, you know, works. And you don't need to, if you are not, if, if you are not liar, if you are not lying in your life, you are authentic, right? You don't need to remember anything. And, and then what I learned, Phil, if you are able to show vulnerability, right? Like my vulnerability is basically what I did with my life that I screw up with the, uh, with with uh, the depression, this is it, you know, right? I mean, it it makes me stronger, absolutely. But at that time, it is like that, because what I realized: if you show people that you are vulnerable, uh, they are like, oh, he's not like former boss or whatever, you know. He's another human being. It's great. So they are really because look, if I would speak, oh, my career was big. I was like jump one jump after the other, a lot of promotions. That's uh, that's boring. If I'm talking like, look, I have a speech in front of the like big pharma company a week from now. And today we did a bit rehearsal. And I was like, guys, I tell you what, it will go like what I do now, what I did in Microsoft, all successes. And I said, and then, because there will be a bit, it will be, I, I, I play a bit with the story. It's a bit, you know, boring. And then I go like, but, but then 
when I was absolutely on the top, I absolutely failed. And then I, I'm going to start to, uh, to, to talk about my depression. And that's what he, people like. People like your life is basically up and down. And you by recover. It's it's about the grit, right? Grit is basically pushing through, you know, right? And 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 my I think my depression make me stronger as a human being, but make me also better human being, you know, right? Because I clarify what is my meaning in my life, and my meaning in my life is to help to find the meaning. For, to help other people to find their meaning. And it's a huge meaning, you know, right? So, Jan, if you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? What I would do, uh, would do a couple of things. Uh, would still go deeply in technology, but would go deeply in emotion, psychology, basically what I'm doing in kind of now, you know, right? Because I tell you what, because I'm like, I'm absolutely amazed, you know, how fast artificial technology can learn and i'm not sure how artificial intelligence will learn you know emotions because the brain is not reacting the brain is predicting what is happening so you need to have some experience some past in your you know subconscious memory in long-term memory and and i and i think connection of like computer and brain it's up it's fascinating me Okay, what you know uh, they do in Neuralink, you know, right? Uh, it, it is you know amazing what they what, what they are you know studying there. So I would do it. It will be really like you know at the crossroad between technology and psychology, because I think if you think about it, technology is becoming commodity more and more. And if we talk about peak performance, it's about people. I call it digital paradox. More technology will be there, human beings will be even more important. And more, you know, computing power we will have, we will understand our brain much more. Okay, last 10 years, Phil, we learn more about our brain as opposed to all, you know, history of, of the humankind. Okay, and, and more we will learn about the brain, we will use our brain better. What, uh, 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 what people are saying, basically, you know, psychologists and and other other guys, you know, right? And it's true that your brain is a great device, but it's basically processing information in in very slow way. You can do like hundred to hundred twenty bits per second of the information. That's the that's the processing speed. And around you, there's eleven million bits per second of the information. So if we will be able to help, you know, how to process that information faster. Will be much better. So yeah, th- this is this is like I'm fascinated by those two. Yes, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Definitely. And in, in terms of your own career, what, what objectives do you currently have? Yeah. What? <laughs> All right. So I will be very open and honest. Okay. I want some of my tennis players to win Wimbledon. <laughs> yes. And maybe some other, maybe some other grandson. I have now two. I have like Yiri Lehetska is a great, is a great talent. He's like 19 years old, but top, 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 top talent. He's uh, already playing there. He, he is a Wimbledon winner. In, I, I, in fact, I've got one Wimbledon winner, but he's a junior Wimbledon winner in doubles two years ago, one and a half years ago. And then I have a Nikki Batunkova. She's 15 and she's again, she started to play with the, you know, women and she beaten already 
150, you know, the, the, the lady, the, the, the lady, uh, she was like 150 on the, on the ranking. So pretty good. And then obviously I would, I would like to have still a couple of Olympic games winners, you know, both from Tokyo and from China. We will see. I mean, I am obviously maximizing. No, really. I, because not, not like it's, it's a bit for my ego, right? But it's like, I'm like very proud to be Czech origin. So it's like for Czech Republic. And then it's really like helping other, you know, people. Look, Phil, imagine in our, you know, course, Unlocking Children Potential, where I teach basically with my counterpart, with Katarina, we teach kids how to use their talents in the school, in the after-school activities, in the sport. We train in four years, 6,000 kids, 7,000, you know, parents. It's amazing, you know, right? I wrote two books, Positive Leader and the other one, Unlocking Children Potential, which now was translated uh, positive leaders in seven languages and uh, unlocking uh, children potential was now translated in English. And we have a new book, Family as a Team, where we are looking into the family as a team and what we can learn, like from the how, to, how you run sport teams or the enterprise teams, like in the, in the family to have like more, you know, more more success and happiness, if you will. Right. That again, it will be translated now. It, it's in the check, but it will be. Uh, translated and i love you know to work with like startups and with the with the with the enterprise leaders so in a nutshell look in the nutshell i try to help people to understand who they are so they can figure out who they can be okay and and this is it because i think more people will be self-aware there will be less tension in society because if you are more self-aware you understand better other people because and it, it doesn't mean that you will agree with the other people all the time no 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 that's fine if you disagree but it should be respect society today unfortunately not only in politics but we are a lot of polarized and i think if we will be, build better self-awareness they will build better society so I'm I'm very excited, you know. Uh, I'm I'm very excited about the future. What you know, technology uh, can do, especially in places like education. You know, technology can improve education a lot. And and around the human brain, I really I'm I'm amazed what the human brain is able to do. Yes, indeed. Um, so obviously, we talked a lot a lot about sort of the the IT industry and, and careers in in technology and obviously technical skills are a key component but in terms of non-technical skills what do you think from your perspective is that is the number one skill that you've relied upon in your career uh this is interesting because i think if you if you if you take really like it companies there's a lot of iq and iq it's in excess and it's like IQ is entry ticket. You need to be smart. There's no way you can work in Google or Microsoft long run if you are not smart. You need to be smart, okay? But unfortunately, there's not enough EQ, okay? Emotional intelligence. And, you know, Daniel Goleman, who was teaching us in Microsoft, he's basically saying that IQ is responsible only for 20% of your success and the rest are things like EQ, environment, and stuff like that. And the EQ, like your self-awareness, understanding other people, how you handle your emotions, it's not taught today. I'm teaching like at INSAT, I'm entrepreneur resident. At Imperial College, I'm an advisory board. I do lessons at Harvard, Stanford, you know, as you mentioned. I, I work with some students at Cambridge, and I did some speeches there. 
But even in those schools, emotional intelligence is not, you know, taught. And it's, I think it is a key because, you know, if you want your organization, whether those are like four people or many thousand people, like in my case, you know, if, if you want them to perform well, you need to inspire them. You need to understand who they are so you can inspire them through the vision. Inspiration is something different from motivation. You can motivate through the bonuses, salaries, you know, the results and etc. But motivation is short term. Motivation, motive means what is around you. Inspiration means in spirit, what is inside you. And if they will, if you have a vision, and let, let's say what is the vision? Vision is the picture of the world, which does not exist yet, but you believe in that picture. Like Bill Gates said, PC at or computer at every desk in 1975 when the smallest you know computer was in the room 10 meters by 10 meters right but then people started to believe in what he believed and he changed the world the same with Steve Jobs I challenge status quo okay why you should pay for 25 songs if you listen only to uh, I uh, you know iTunes, right? I could not, you know, it's it's evening. So I, I, I wanted to say iPhone, but it's obviously iTunes. iPhone, iPhone is a part of that. You can, you know, play all of those things. So yeah, the, uh, the, the this is it, you know, right? So I think it is definitely, Phil, emotional intelligence is a key thing. It's really how you can connect to the other people, how you manage your emotions, self-awareness, your your environment awareness, team awareness, uh, and stuff like that. And unfortunately, it's not still taught today in the schools. And it's teachable. It's You, you are not born like emotionally intelligent or emotionally non-intelligent. No, you know, right? You yeah. can learn it. It's a skill. Definitely. Yeah, it's a, it's a great skill, definitely. Um, so in terms of your own career as well, so how do you keep your career energized? What I do, I have like unique talent. Look, I don't think, I think I'm a smart person, but am I smartest person in the world? No way. But what I am able to do, I really listen and follow very smart people and I'm able to put, you know, thoughts from the different smart people, get them together and look at them from the different, you know, standpoints, from the different, you know, angle. I was very much, because Bill Gates loved Da Vinci and he was like reading, you know, when we were traveling, he was reading some book about Da Vinci. So I was obviously, okay, Bill Gates is reading about Da Vinci. So I'll, I'll also read about Da Vinci like 15, 15 years ago. Not really. I, I'm honest. And then I realized that what was great with Da Vinci, Da Vinci was like, you know, basically he did deep dive in science, deep dive in, you know, like, you know, medicine, deep dive in painting. And then he was able to connect those different, you know, boxes using analogy. And what I what I what I'm able to do, Phil, what I learned from athletes, I'm able, you know, analogy wise, you know, to put immediately and coach according to the new experience, coach my, you know, business leaders and the other way around. A lot of people, when I started to coach athletes, a lot of coaches, they came to my seminar, they said, okay, we will be with you at the seminar. But how can you coach if you you were okay? You were playing tennis, but 25 years ago, you have no experience whatsoever with athletes. But it's about brain, mental coaching. It's about the brain, and does not matter whether it's in the business, art, or sport. You have still the same issues like stress, fear, doubts, and stuff like that. So that's another thing I'm you know able to do. 
And then what I do, I'm making tons of the notes. If I watch, I watch at the YouTube best thinkers. If I like them, you know, I basically go and do some online training there. In fact, Michael Jervas, who is the Seahawks, you know, mental coach in Seattle, that's the uh, that's the American football team. They they won Super Bowl. I will be with him uh, in, in one hour at the clubhouse. We became friends because of the clubhouse. But before that, I was at this, you know, trainings and was, you know, following him. So there are a couple of people I, you know, follow and I listen to them. Because the thing is, if you wanted to play, look, like in, in England, right? If you wanted to play Premier League, you need to learn from the people who are playing or played in the past Premier League. This is it. If I want my guy, Lehechka, to win Wimbledon, to beat people like Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, whoever, I need to learn, and he needs to learn from the people who did it. And that guy is Dominic, you know, Herbati. That's the Slovakian tennis player. He finished like 12 years ago. He's also on the clubhouse. I, I met him thanks to the clubhouse, and we became friends. He, he beaten 12 number ones in his career, 12 number ones in 34 matches. His score with Nadal is three wins, one loss, with Federer 2-1 and with Djokovic 1-1. And he knows exactly, he described me what to do the day before the match and the day, you know, when he was playing and after the match, because I wanted to understand what is this winning, you know, mindset to make sure that, you know, my tennis player, Yiri, can, you know, employ it also, you know, right? So this is it. So what I try to say, I, I try to learn from the best. And Bill Gates, I, I had a great chance. Whenever I spent with Bill whole day, I was like at least one A4 full of the notes. Not necessarily, obviously, I did the notes, kind of the follow-up, what needs to be done. But that one A4 paper was basically the way he was thinking. He was, you know, making some notes in the book and so on. So I learned so much. So I really tried to learn from, from the best, you know. And today, thanks to the YouTube, you can go straight and you can say, hey, I wanted to learn from this guy. And you, you can get it, right? Because we have a, it's called mirror neurons. We are basically mirroring our environment around you. So you are able to mirror those people, right? And those, you know, emotions and thoughts are contagious, you know, right? It doesn't mean that you will be like copy of, of that guy. No, 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 no. You need to localize it for yourself. But you can you can you can learn so much today. And I and I think the young generation should use things like you know YouTube and, and reading much more. Look, Phil, if you read imagine uh, there is a Walter Isaacson who I know personally, we are in touch on LinkedIn. Walter is writing all of those great, you know, uh, biographies, right? And I, I was reading the Steve Jobs biography. It's probably 15 hours to read it. But for 15 hours, you can get the wisdom of 40 years of his life, okay? In 15 hours, you can have like 40 years of the wisdom. So I think people should start to read again. And if you are not reading... You can still, you know, watch those people on YouTube make a lot of, you know, notes. And this is what I would definitely recommend to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's so much information and so many ways to consume it. That, yeah. Yeah, you've just got to take advantage, haven't you? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, and what do you do in your spare time? I, I would say away from technology, but just away from your coaching as well. Yeah. What I what I do in the spare time, I do a lot of sport. I do like one hour 
running in the morning or one and a half hour Nordic walking. I always listen podcast or clubhouse. There's like, you know, no way I don't do any emails or any social networks up to like nine uh, uh, a.m. Clubhouse is exception, right? But there are, it's like podcast. It's uh, you know. So I wanted to be concentrated on, on that, you know, learning. Uh, I do a lot of like breathing exercise. Uh, you know, I do Tai Chi, yoga. Uh, I do meditation twice a day, which is like putting me in the present moment. Uh, sauna two, three times uh, a week. That's what I do. I do yoga nidra, which is like great. It's like guided meditation. It's like body scan. It's like releasing, you know, your body. Uh, you know, uh, I read. To be honest, I read probably now less than in the past. I much more watch and listen. And I'm making all the time, I'm making notes, handwritten notes, whether it's on my Surface, you know, Microsoft computer or on the paper. Because if you do handwritten uh, notes, it's good for the neuroplasticity, for your, you know, uh, memory, right? So, uh, so, and then in the afternoon, again, I, I, you know, exercise, I do, I have a fitness at home. So I, I do that. And I, you know, I, I'm not like, I absolutely love what I do. So for example, today I've got a couple of interviews in the morning. Then there was a, interesting enough, I had a lesson for, you know, Microsoft regional team on unlocking human potential. So I met, you know, some of, I mean, they obviously people change, but some, some of them were still there. Uh, and I'm not tired necessarily, like, you know, physically, but I'm like tired. If you speak, you know, a lot and I'm not drinking enough, then you, you can be like tired, you know, uh, mentally. But I try really to like if I work for one hour, max one and a half hour, I want to have 10, 15 minutes break where like strategic break. I go outside. So there's light. Light through the window, it's not enough because the window, it's like shield. It's not good. You need at least open the window. I do some breathing exercise and I go by my eyes through the horizons because if you look all the time, like now we are looking all the time into the screen, your eyes are, you know, tired. And one thing which I which I do have, it has to do with the technology, I carry aura ring on my, you know, finger. Aura ring uh, is measuring basically the quality of your sleep, how you are ready for the day. It's really good. It's more precise than, you know, Garmin watches in terms of the sleeping. Garmin is good for the sport, but not necessarily for the sleep, you know, right? So the, the aura ring is really like measuring me uh, what uh, uh, what I do. And, I, and obviously I try to uh, have a lot of light and drink a lot of, you know, water, right? So those are, you know, a couple of things uh, which uh, uh, which I do. And I have, like, because of my athletes, I have all, like, I have different massaging devices, you know, right? <laughs> what, they are, what they are using, but it's like, yeah. But what I also like, do you have, like, uh, you have, like, trousers, you put it on your, you know, body, and then you put air in it, and it's, like, massaging your, you know, uh, uh, your you know system you know right and you are you, it's it's your recovery is faster in this way yeah right yes okay good um, so again you've obviously shared a tremendous amount on the podcast today but could you maybe give us a parting piece of career advice 
couple of things. Uh, be more of who you are. Be better version. It's about the excellence. Be have a growth mindset. Be better version of yourself every day. You can say, remind yourself what was going well. Repair, learn from what was not going very well, and imagine you know how things can go in the in the future. That's how you work with your brain. That's what is building. Be curious. What is that's that's what is building your you know growth mindset. That's one thing. The other thing, your amygdala, which is you know the, the part of the brain causing you know stress and the fear, amygdala will, will still tell you this is important, this is important, this is important. Amygdala, all things which are argent, amygdala will basically say, this is important, this is important. Try to do things in your life which are important but not argent majority of the time because that's the way how you can use your brain in the best way. Give you one example. I can do my presentation. If, for example, this pharma company would say, okay, on Monday you need to be ready and do that presentation, I can do it like Sunday evening. And it will be almost 80%, you know, like super, super, super. So, but because I will be under the pressure, I will not be able to use everything what I learned. If I will start to get ready for that presentation a couple of weeks before, I will, you know, build some strawman, you know, right? Like step by step. And then I will build the slides and, and, and go and build the final presentation. And I will use like 100%, you know, my brain in the, in the right way. So, Try to do things which are, you know, not urgent, but important. Because at the end of the day, there are, you know, only a couple of moments which are decisive for your career. You know, this is it. You know, some moments you should pick up which battles you will fight and which battles you will avoid. Right. And and sometimes, you know, when I was young, I tried to fight too many, you know, battles. But then if you think, you, you what is in, really influencing your careers there are like three four things in your career which or meetings or you know presentations which got you know uh, uh, really disproportional influence on your career as the other things yeah yeah where can we find out more about you and connect with you online Okay, guys, I am obviously in all, you know, social networks on Instagram, Facebook, on Clubhouse, uh, on LinkedIn. You know, I have a web page, www.muhlfeit.com. It's like Czech part and in English part. So you will, if you will Google me, you will find a lot, you know, so don't worry. Great. Excellent. Jan, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. I really appreciate you giving up your time to do so. Uh, thank you for taking part. Thanks, Phil, very much for having me. And I cross fingers for you and all your listeners. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.